0: Today on the Everything 80s podcast, Leisure Suit Larry, the Forbidden Video Game. Hey there, what's happening? Welcome back to the Everything 80s podcast. I'm Jamie. Thanks for coming on out today. Warning, Leisure Suit Larry in the Land of the Lounge Lizards contains some elements of plot that may not be considered appropriate for some children. This is the intro from 1987's Leisure Suit Larry in the Land of the Lounge Lizards and it ushered in a game that would be part of a forbidden folklore for kids during the 80s. Leisure Suit Larry was a character and video game created by Al Lowe and Mark Crow about a fictional character named Larry Laffer. It was an adult-themed video game and series that had huge success through the 80s and into the 90s. So that's what we're going to be looking at here today, the forbidden video game. Before we start, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. I should be there. Okay, here we go. The name Leisure Suit or Larry still conjures up a mindset for me that says this game is off limits. We grew up without an internet and three network channels. So anything that was considered off limits, we only learned of through word of mouth. Leisure Suit Larry was one such thing. It was spoken of on playgrounds and in neighborhoods by kids who had never played the game. There was always that one kid in school who swore he played it, but we all knew he was full of crap. Despite its relative tameness, the persona of the game came off as being truly forbidden. To us, this was way out of our wheelhouse and we were better left to playing Mario or Duck Hunt. Still, the mystique behind this game made it something of a great curiosity. Even if we had the chance to play it, I'm not sure if we would have. It's something that remained a mystery at the time and probably wasn't worth the hype at all. But that's what makes for great intrigue. So this is a look back on the original Forbidden Video Game, Leisure Suit Larry. So what is the origin story here? Before we get to the creation of the game, here is the rundown on the backstory of Leisure Suit Larry. Larry was a geek for most of his life, And never had any success with girls. He would eventually become a computer programmer, but lived a very meaningless existence. He lived with his mother, and there was a lack of friends, work colleagues, or anything like that. When Larry turned 38, he gets a bit of an epiphany and becomes preoccupied with the opposite sex. This starts to take over his life, and his work begins to suffer. A trickle-down effect starts to happen, and it leads to his life going downhill. He gets fired from his job, and on that same day, he finds out his mom has skipped town, sold the house, and left for an extended vacation. Larry then decides to do a 180 and uproot his life. He moves to the fictional city of lost wages, get it, and adopts a whole new persona. Since Larry is so out of touch, he believes that the 70s style is still in vogue and goes all in on it. He gets a polyester leisure suit and puts together a look that he thinks is still cool, and you can probably picture people like this right now. The origin story of Larry leaves us with him selling his Volkswagen Bug and making a cool $94 on it. After he sells the car to a junkyard, he ends up outside Lefty's Bar, and that's where the very first game, Leisure Suit Larry, in the Land of the Lounge Lizard, begins. So, I mean, you know, Spider-Man, Incredible Hulk, I mean, they can't top a backstory like that. But let's look at how Leisure Suit Larry was created. So that's a fictional backstory behind the characters. But here's how the game really came together. Video games in the 80s were all about epic adventures and heroes. The idea with Leisure Suit Larry was that he would be the exact opposite of this. The idea was to create a very unconventional type of video game where the hero would constantly be mocked and ridiculed. Whereas other games were all about saving a princess and going through quests. Larry would be adult themed and really not safe for work. Um, though that acronym didn't exist then. The the concept was put together by Al Lowe, who wanted to create the complete opposite of a GQ model. Larry was the classic short, balding, and out-of-shape loser who never lands a girl. To complete his look, besides the leisure suit, Larry wore a Hawaiian shirt, gold chain, and a chest toupee, which was an actual real thing in the 70s. Just It seems like the worst decade in human history. In case you don't know this, you're just going to have to like Google leisure suit Larry, and just you'll see the cover of the original games and get an idea of what this guy is. But you can pretty, much, I mean, picture Cousin Eddie essentially from Christmas Vacation, and that's sort of what we're dealing with. The tough part was they still had to make him somewhat likable. He has all the traits that make him a scumbag, but Lowe still based him on the average guy who was somewhere in between loser and noble. He has a real good to him, but he doesn't know how to show it. So that actually leads us. We're thinking about real-life Leisure Suit Larrys to an actual you know, potential influence here. And it's interesting. I was starting to, as I was going through this, I was starting to draw comparisons between also, uh, besides Cousin Larry, or Cousin Eddie, uh, George Costanza and Larry, which is interesting because George, of course, is based on Larry David. And most classic characters have their roots in real-life people. looks like Leisure Suit Larry was no different. Lowe worked on uh, worked for Sierra Online, which is a video game company from the late 70s. They brought us such games as King's Quest, Space Quest, Police Quest, and Quest for Glory. You can see their theme there. Sierra would eventually dissolve into part of Vinvedi or Vinvendi Games, which later merged with Activision to form Activision Blizzard. While Lowe was working there, he met a salesman who would become... The future influence for Larry, the salesman who was never named, but was apparently named Jerry would always be away on sales trips and would brag about his ability to score with the ladies. He was apparently hated by low and the other game coders. This Jerry guy never realized he was being laughed at behind his back and would become the influence for leisure suit. Larry, they went with Larry as it seemed too obvious to use the real name of Jerry. Larry was also the name of childhood friend, Larry H Parker. Larry's last name is actually Laffer, L-A-F-F-E-R. And for that, Lowe just started skimming through an encyclopedia. They wanted to use a lot of L words for the title, and Lowe chose the L volume of the encyclopedia. He randomly landed on Arthur Laffer, who was an American working during the Reagan administration and actually won the Presidential Medal of Freedom. The fact that the name Laffer was basically laughter worked perfectly for the character who was the butt of all jokes. The real-life laugher was never aware of this connection, even though his secretary was a huge fan of Leisure Suit Larry, who also never made the connection, apparently. Okay, so now launching the very first Leisure Suit Larry video game. Again, there is also a – you can go on YouTube and see the trailer for this game, which – I mean, back then in the 80s, video games didn't have trailers per se. They had a non-playable demo, you know, where it would just automatically go through. Like all video games had this so they could display it in the stores. But you can find this on YouTube if you just uh, search Leisure Suit Larry or trailer or go to the show notes for today's episode where I've got all this put together. Um, If you didn't grow up in the 70s and 80s, you probably don't remember text-based video games They are just as they sound, like as the game contains graphics, but not actually graphic gameplay. You would type various commands and the game would respond to them. Before even that, there was just straight text-based games where you would type in a response or an action and then there'd be a text response and you just sort of follow through it. But then they started evolving this into graphic gameplay as the technology evolved. So the game would be co-designed and illustrated by Mark Rowe. It was first released on the Apple II, this is how far back that's going, PC DOS, and then would be ported over to some more familiar systems, including Amiga, Atari ST, then the Apple Macintosh, the Tandy Color Computer 3, the Apple II GS. The game would feature 256 colors, and besides using text controls, you could also move Larry with the directional keys. If you were to stand in front of a bar, for example, you could type in the command to ask for a drink. If the command wasn't recognized, the game would give you hints to help move it on. The early parts of the game actually included Larry being able to use the bathroom, which as kids, I remember hearing that idea blew my mind that this guy could actually go like take a dump in the bathroom. That was a, that was an actual command programmed in the game. Again, it's another one of those things I remember hearing about this and always thinking it was made up. There's just no way we... Um, Could know all this. The closest I got to this game was a friend's father who owned it, but who kept it actually locked in a desk that, um, because he said it was not appropriate for kids. So that only grows the mystique of this game. It's sort of in that era where, you know, again, these things that we found very titillating, like, you know, say movies like Revenge of the Nerds or Porkies and things that are obviously not as bad now looking back, but as a kid, they're just mind blowing or just capture your attention so much. And that was, uh, part of leisure suit Larry. So before, you know, before you start even playing the game, you had to show you were old enough to play it. You actually had to prove you were old enough to play it. You know, even if we got our hands on this thing to start the game, you're showing, um, it's like, you know, on websites now where you have to just enter in your Um, An age or whatever, just to show you can go into the website. But with this game, it would ask you for your age and then request you answer five different questions in order to prove it. If you miss two questions, no game for you. Here's the actual questions from the game. Okay. Question one, the term working girl refers to uh, one, a secretary, two, a lady of negotiable value, three, an industrious woman, four, an employed female. Number two, which U.S. president was not elected to office? Johnson, Eisenhower, Ford, or Cleveland? Number three, Elizabeth Taylor is, one, an actress, two, creator of a line of cosmetics, three, celebrating her silver wedding anniversary, four, a singer. I thought she could technically be all of those. I don't remember the actual answer. The fourth question, the G-spot is supposed to be, one, ground zero at a nuclear blast, two, a female erogenous zone, Two, an unexplained astronomical discovery. Four, the place where the FBI was first established. And five, ERA is an abbreviation for, one, Earnest Realtors of America, two, Equal Rights Amendment, two, Erogenous Readers Association, four, Air Recovery Association. The final question, if you got through all that, is which is not a currency? One, yen, two, lira, three, fennel, four, rupee. Assuming you grew up in the 70s and were able to answer these questions in 1987, you've now made it into the game where you told, where you are told, quote, and now slip into your leisure suit and prepare to enter the land of the lounge lizards with leisure suit Larry. I think I maybe at the time would have got one of these correct. And it was, if anything, it was probably that Elizabeth Taylor one. I Honestly, most people I know today would struggle with getting three out of five correct here, I'd, I'd bet. Honestly, this is such a brilliant idea. I don't know why all websites uh, don't go back to this barrier of entry instead of just, again, having to enter in your date of birth, which obviously every kid's going to fake anyway. And, of course, those websites want all that traffic anyway, so they're really not trying to hide anything. Okay. So we've had a bit of a rundown, but here's the plot of Lear, uh, Leisure Suit Larry in the land of the Lounge Lizards. You've started outside Lefty's Bar and lost wages. This is one of five different areas that you have access to during the game. The others being the casino, a disco, a 24-hour wedding chapel, and a convenience store. Fun fact, the convenience store is named the Quickie Mart, which you can probably see was an influence on The Simpsons, which would debut a few years later. To get around you, have to pay some... Um, Big time taxi fares, you know, that costs a lot. That's a transport option. Or you can walk between places as long as they're right next to each other. If you try to walk to places that aren't nearby, Larry either gets mugged or gets hit by oncoming traffic. He can also earn money to get through the game by playing at the casino. Based on a game of a guy trying to score with women, obviously they play a big part in this game. When, When Larry talks to any key woman during the game, you get a very detailed description of who you're talking to. Leary is always shot down at first, but then can hit them with some pretty lavish gifts, which gives him some favorable reactions. Some women don't fall for it, but you have to give gifts to proceed through the game. The final area of the game, the hotel penthouse, is where you have hopefully completed your quest. This is where, okay, so this podcast is considered clean. Um, If you do anything (laughs) or say or curse or anything, you know, whatever on a podcast, you have to give it a different rating thing. And when you don't, it can get in trouble. So I'm going to try and describe things in a PG manner here. You have a seven sort of hour time period to complete the game. And if you don't do it in that time, Larry ends up taking his own life. When you start the game, a lady of the night is available, but if you're to use her services um, without protection, you will also die. So I think that's the cleanest way I can describe how this game goes. That's the ultimate goal of Leisure Suit Larry. And the whole ordeal can be accomplished as long as Larry buys the protection in the convenience store. It's probably a good idea that you had to pass that age requirement uh, at the beginning, because as the game starts, it's, you know, kind of just stupid and whatever. And then as it progresses at the end, you can see where it gets a little off the rails. OK, but let's look at the success of Leisure Suit Larry. So it's the 80s and things take a while to catch on. Word of mouth was the best advertising campaign that could have existed at the time. And it was a big part of the success of Leisure Suit Larry. Like there is no commercials for this thing. There was no YouTube videos launching it. You know, it, it was basically people just having to spread their own thoughts. The sales started off pretty badly and the game only sold around 4,000 copies. Not surprisingly, many stores um, had a problem with this adult theme nature of the game and didn't want to put it on the shelves. I remember being, uh, this being the case where I lived and I don't remember any video stores that carried it and sure as hell, we're not gonna rent it out to kids. It was the lowest first, month's, first month first sales for any product that has ever been released for Sierra Online, and it was thought that everyone involved had wasted half a year of their lives. But then people start to talk, spurred on by rumors on playgrounds, neighborhoods, schools, colleges. The myth of the game grew. Suddenly, Leisure Suit Larry was the hottest thing in video games, and by the end of the year, had sold over two hundred fifty thousand copies. The one interesting thing here is that a large percentage of the people who bought it and played it were female. An interesting occurrence happened too. No stores wanted to advertise or promote it, but were still selling a ton of copies. It had great reviews from video game magazines like uh, Computer Gaming World, and the game was touted for having great graphics and improved gameplay. Leisure Suit Larry in the Land of the Lounge Lizards would actually win. Best Adventure or Fantasy Role-Playing Game in 1987 awarded by the Software Publishers Association. So let's look at the future success of Leisure Suit Larry. I wanted to mainly focus on the original game and the 80s sort of viewpoint of everything, but Leisure Suit Larry would only continue to grow after this. Over the years, other iterations would come out, which included Leisure Suit Larry Goes Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places, Leisure Suit Larry 3, Passionate Patty in Pursuit of the Pulsating Pectorals. Leisure Suit Larry 5, Passionate Patty does a little undercover work. Leisure Suit Larry 6, Shape Up or Slip Out. Leisure Suit Larry Love for Sale, S-A-I-L. So a nautical themed adventure. You might've noticed I missed the fourth game and uh, hopefully you did catch that. Turns out the fourth Leisure leisure Suit Larry game, The Missing Floppies, has some varying stories surrounding it. Some say it was just a prank and others say the whole game was made, but never backed up when the original floppies were lost. If you don't know know what a floppy disk is, you're going to have to ask your parents, but this is the way information was stored on computers before CD-ROMs, which, again, depending on your age, you might not have used either. But that's how games were made. That's how information was stored. So possibly that this game just was completely lost. Uh, The designers refused to remake the game, but it seems like the real version was just for a bit of marketing. Lowe had commented in 2012 that jumping right to game number five would make customers ask and wonder What happened to Leisure Suit Larry 4? So I don't know. Maybe that was their excuse for actually screwing up and not backing up the game or, you know, not saving as or whatever. There was also going to be Leisure Suit Larry 8, Lust in Space, and Leisure Suit Larry Pocket Party. But both would never see the light of day. A Kickstarter project started in 2011 to create Leisure Suit Larry Reloaded, which would be a modern HD iteration of the game. I don't know where things stand at the moment as far as all that though. Okay, let's start winding it down here with some uh, final thoughts on Leisure Suit Larry. So, I mean, there you go. It's the original forbidden video game. It's uh, If you grew up in the 80s, it's part folklore. It's part urban legend. It's also part classic. It's the game in series has become one of the you know most well-remembered um, games ever and, again, is considered a classic because of the technology from the time and the gameplay and the hype and everything like that. And, you know, people do look back fondly. PC games ranked Larry 6th on its list of best video game characters of all time. He was voted 45th top video game character of all time from a Guinness Book of World Records poll. It's been ranked in the top 100 games by different magazines and the five original games combined have sold over 2 million units. This just goes to show the power of word of mouth, especially back in the eighties. And of course today with a game being launched there, there'd be so much promotional material and social media campaigns and they can create this buzz, um, you know, and then, but you know, whether it's a video game or a movie or whatever, a new TV show, the the content has to live up to the hype and people will quickly realize if it's, you know, genuine or not, but you, you still are able to manufacture fake hype and fake interest, you know, just getting like the the right hashtag going or get the right influencer to promote it or whatever. And then, you know, the, the content will stand on its own or it will fail. But this was complete word of mouth that launched this app like this, um, you know, leisure suit Larry empire, if you want to call it, because they made hundreds of millions of dollars off this game. And it was also, a critical success at the same time. And this is all because like kids in college were talking about this game you've got to play and then guys in the office are passing it around and then kids like me are like, we've got to play this game somehow and all of this worked again no promotion stores weren't even promoting it. They weren't even putting it on the shelves directly. People were having to come in and ask for it. like you cannot beat marketing of that nature instead of like pushing on people, people are coming to find it and asking for it by name. So, I mean, it's kind of an amazing sort of case study as well on creating intrigue and creating sort of mystique. And of course, you know, again, that whole not safe for work and um, adults only theme is is always going to help. But in this case, it's amazing because technically and from a video game standpoint, it, it was seen as, sort of groundbreaking at the same time. So as well as being bawdy and inappropriate, it was able to back it up because again, people hadn't really played a text-based um, graphic designed gameplay video game before, or one that just didn't work like this. And then there was full images that loaded and just stuff you would never normally see. So that's it. Um, you know, the next time you're in Vegas and you see someone stuck in the 70s Remember, that guy is only looking for love. So we'll finish it here. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed this sort of trip down memory lane as far as it comes to video games. And maybe you remember this in the same way or you weren't totally aware of what it was or you vaguely remember or you were right in the midst. Um, so hopefully you learned a bit from this. So thanks for listening. Again, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. I should be there. I will be back soon with a new episode. Don't you dare miss it.